From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 55. Today's show is brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like, and lynda.com. Instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Mr. Hackett. Hello, Mr. Hurley. And Mr. Federico Vadici. Hello, Mr. Hackett and Hurley. Hello, Federico. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited about the show. We've got a, uh-huh. a action-packed full lineup for the episode today. Uh-huh. I am back in the room in the room of the Roomba. Uh-oh. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's right here uh, underneath my desk. What did you do to him last time? Um, I turned him I, on. I, I poked him <laughs> and, I, and he made a noise. Now it's resting, and there's a green light. I'm not touching it. Not no touching. Um, you know. I th- I think what you need to do is set your iPhone up on it, and then just periscope it driving around the house. Okay, hold on. That's in Parks and Rec, right? Where they put the little DJ Roomba. Yeah, DJ DJ Roomba. Yeah, they put like a like a jam box or something on it, and it just yep. it just plays music from an iPod. <laughs> No, oh, that's wow, a great really? show. Yeah, I love that show. If you haven't seen Parks and Rec, watch Parks and Rec. Do it. Mm-hmm. It has a very satisfying conclusion. Yep, very satisfying. It, it, How many seasons can I watch? Seven. Seven. Hmm, okay, I like to watch uh, shows that <laughs> give me quite a bit of episodes. Oh, so this... it's not like I'm starting a new, a new yep. show. I get all emotional and attached to it, and then like after two seasons, it's over. So you know. Seven seasons, it's a, it's a good, it's you got good number. Seven seasons. There isn't a bad season, in my opinion. Uh, it is excellent throughout. So watch awesome. it. you got the okay. whole thing, and it's got a satisfying end. It's true. I'm terrified of the titles already. Me too. Uh, <laughs> so it's connected. And mm-hmm. it's. I, I, for one, am glad that we're now in September. August is such a slow month in this industry. Hey, August. Are you glad? <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of work to do. I have. I was looking at my OmniFocus today, and it's like a, uh, just a disaster. But um, mm-hmm. it's, it's stuff's happening. We're gonna talk about some Apple TV stuff today. Talk about what's coming. The next couple of weeks are gonna be very busy. And I, for one, welcome our new uh, busyness overlords. Do you? How you doing, buddy? You sound <laughs> defeated. Oh my god! I'm so. I, I I don't know how I'm feeling. Like, I think I'm exhausted, but I'm also kind of twitchy and energetic because I got to finish all of this. It's probably too much caffeine in my body since, you know, it's been a stressful couple of weeks, you know, and I, I don't know what I'm, what I'm thinking or feeling anymore. I'm like a robot and all I can do is type and, you know, I don't know. I don't know. You're don't a typing know robot. I'm... You're like Mavis Beacon. I'm what like she... who? Never mind, Federica. That's one of your sci-fi references, isn't that? Sure, sure. We'll go with that. Sci-fi reference. You always do that kind of stuff. Uh Like superheroes and, and, you know, all these other things that I don't understand, like (laughs) pens or uh, U.S. politics. I know know, nothing about U.S. politics. You you somewhat know about U.S. politics. You, You drop the occasional U.S. politics, you know, material. Mavis anyway. Beacons in Star Wars. Oh yeah, that that yeah yeah yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I just I, I'm trolling I, you, man. She's, <laughs> it's, it's, that's <laughs> terrible. That's terrible, Mike. <laughs> Mavis Beacon is a is an app. It's like a a, a program, a PC program to help PC. you learn how to type. A PC what? It's a, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a program. You know, before they were called apps. 
local mm-hmm. programs or software uh, that teaches you how to type. That's what maybe speaking is. Are you still I'm trolling it, me? I'm gonna put a chat in the in the uh, IRC for you to see. Mavis Beacon teaches typing. This is the weirdest intro to a show. Please, ever. please start the follow up. This is like Encarta, the the, the Microsoft, you know, mm. Wikipedia uh. thing. I don't know. Mm. It's well. an application software program. Jeez, so many words. Anyway, <laughs> follow up. Yes, please. yes, please. <laughs> Listener Andrew wants to know, uh, Michael, have you tried Better Touch Tool? No. Cool. Um, <laughs> people, <laughs> I wanted the answer. Uh, people have suggested Better Touch Tool for me for other things in the past. As I get older, um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like twenty-three, uh-huh. apps like Better Touch Tool make me more nervous. You know, this is an app that is doing stuff that probably shouldn't be done um and these things make me nervous now as i use my computers to generate my income solely um i i try not to tinker with them too much and i know what better touch tool could do for me now that i know it could actually be because i just thought it was just for the trackpad i didn't know you could also assign keyboard stuff and mouse clicks and things like that um I mean, it's there, and I'm sure there's stuff I could do, and you could do application-specific things, but I don't really need application-specific things because the shortcuts that I have set up work pretty well everywhere, so it works for me. I understand why someone would suggest this. Maybe this is something that people could suggest if they you know, they could use it if they don't want the amazing Logitech MX Master Mouse that I have now and love so dearly. Um, but if you, know, if you don't want to get one of those things, look at Better Touch Tool, but be warned, it may... Eat your computer from the inside. I feel sort of the same way. And I, I used to run a lot more sort of uh, stuff that did this, right? This like doing low level things. And uh, I don't, I've not really tried Bear Touch Tool in a long time. But um, I do have to say that I did order, after hearing you talk about it and talking about it on Cortex, ordered the Logitech. Uh, master is that what it's called at Logitech MX Master I think a lot of people have done that (laughs) having hear me speak about it on like three different shows for a week Mm -hmm. Uh, but it really is an incredible thing so I've got one in the mail and uh, in the mail in the post yeah in the UPS truck (laughs) so uh, I'm looking forward to trying it because I have the same the Logitech Performance MX that you had Mm -hmm. you and I in the same mouse and you seem uh like you like this one, so I'm going to give it a shot. Do it. We have some follow-up also about the iPad Pro. We had a bunch of people write in and tweet about different possible users for the iPad Pro. You know, we spoke about about designers and artists, and um, the feedback sort of settled into three categories. So you kind of have like enterprisey office people, people doing paperwork, uh, doing a lot of documents that maybe the nicer iPad, especially with a stylus, would make things like data entry uh, more possible. Uh, sales reps, which I think is sort of the same type of use where you can um, you can work with things like Salesforce out in the field. And then one that I can't believe we didn't think of, uh, the medical profession of, of doctors oh. and nurses. And I actually have a story about this. I have a good friend of mine who is finishing up his residency. And when he started it, basically everyone was given an iPad mini that was hooked up to the hospital's medical record system. So they could be... Um, you know, with a patient and the iPad, they did the iPad mini cause it fit in their coat pockets, you know, like the white doctor coats. And so they could just slide it in their pocket and then pull it out and they could look at, 
scans just with a patient and go over medication and have it all basically right, you know, right with them all the time. And because it was hooked up to the, the like the overall system, it was always up to date. So they could check in with things and see what other patients were doing. And his experience with it was very positive. And uh, he just really spoke highly about that. Not only the connection that it gave you, because you could do that on a laptop, but in a way that you could sort of share the device with a patient if you're looking at something. And I think that's just a really powerful thing. And I think, you know, an iPad Pro obviously would lose some of the portability, especially of the mini. But if you're looking at scans with somebody or looking at, you know, imagery, having something bigger that you can sit kind of next to somebody on a bed and look at it with them, I think is a really, a really powerful thing. Um, yeah. What do you guys think? The, I mean, the the enterprise stuff, the business stuff makes sense. I think I think I mentioned about working in advertising and and like um, sales. Uh, so like you know people in advertising and how I started to see surfaces everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but the doctors and nurses stuff is something I never would have thought of on my own, and I think that's a really interesting use. I think it's just a, that those are the types of things that you can start to do when you have a product that starts to bridge the gap a little bit more, you know? Like, it's still an iPad, so it has all the benefits of an iPad, but with a bigger screen and potentially a lot more horsepower, um, even more incredible. I mean, you always see these, like, medical apps, right? You imagine, like, with more RAM and or, and just, like, more, just in general, like, more horsepower, how incredible that stuff could be, like the 3D visualizing stuff of the human body and all that kind of coolness. And having, like, a little pen on there so people could take notes, patient notes, and they could go up to the central computer. Like, that sort of stuff just seems even better with a device like this, I guess. Mm-hmm. The only thing that worries me is for professions that depend on portability of the iPad. So, you know, if the iPad Pro really is a almost 13-inch device, carrying it carrying it around probably isn't as easy as a as an iPad mini. As you mentioned, Stephen, uh, doctors using an iPad mini because it fits in their pockets. Uh, I wonder if the same can be true with an iPad Pro. It's more comfortable when you sit down so, you know, two people can look at the screen. And I imagine, you know, even the split view on the iPad Pro, if you want to, you know, in the, in the case of a, of, the, of a doctor and a patient, you can put up a scan on the left side of the screen and maybe an explanation or some notes on the right side. And in that case, an iPad Pro for collaboration and sitting down is better. But what about, you know, walking around with an iPad Pro? Because it feels like, you know, it's a big screen. So this, that's the, my primary concern is how is Apple going to pitch the, the, the portable factor of the device? Uh, you know, it, that's so important for the iPad mini and the iPad Air. Um, I'm curious. Maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it's so light you don't even notice it's a 13-inch it's a device. I don't know. Maybe they'll make a lanyard. Maybe. Like the iPod Maybe. Shuffle? Yep, or the, or the Nano or whatever. Maybe they can put some wheels underneath and you can use it as a skateboard. Oh, like... <laughs> <laughs> I think the Roomba's getting to you. <laughs> well, we, uh, as you might imagine, we also have some follow-up about Blah Blah Car, which we spoke we last week, which uh, Federico discovered in his uh, vacation being a ride-sharing service. Sort of not so much the Uber model, but based around, hey, I, I need to go to this city on this day. Who else needs to go and sort of figuring out from there. A couple of tweets I wanted to call out. Um, uh, the first one talking about the service being uh, big in France and Europe yeah. and how they're already expanding in Latin America and Asia, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's from... Uh, Thibaut. Hmm? 
your your French game, Mike, Mike is, is on is on top. I like that 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 Stephen didn't understand even what I was saying. <laughs> no, it, it, he just he sat there like blank stare for two seconds, and then I was like, mm-hmm. I was trying to help you. I did. I appreciate that. Please <laughs> fix it in post. <laughs> uh, and Jeff Jeff tweets says, just be careful with car sharing in the UK. You may invalidate your insurance by receiving payment from passengers. Well, it's not like Mike knows. <laughs> he knows yeah, nothing yeah, about mean, cars. Or so. has a car or a driving license. Or an insurance about, you know, for cars. So, uh. But uh, that is interesting because here in the States, Uber is facing, Uber and Lyft are facing issues uh, moving into cities and uh, like the whole like personal vehicle uses a cab type type laws. It's been a big thing here in Memphis where the city basically told Uber and Lyft to stop operating, but then they sort of ignored that and, and are still operating. And it's sort of that same idea. Like if you're using a personal vehicle for non-personal vehicle type things, like where does that fall? And so I didn't even think about insurance when we were talking about it, but I could see that being a factor there where you got a bunch of people in your car who wouldn't be there otherwise. You know what happens if, if something terrible happens. Well, what if you say they are your friends and you lie about, you know, using blah, blah car? Uh, That's I what know. I would do. I think that would be insurance fraud. Yep. For one. That's what that is. So yeah. Federica is going to jail. So. No, no, no. I'm not using blah, blah car. <laughs> not even touching it. But, you know. What about, uh, what if, what about blah, blah Roomba? So you could, you could, hey, could you bring your Roomba to my house? What Maybe about blah it. blah room? And you just you know, guys, I got a house. Wanna come? Wanna come over? That's that's probably yeah. the, the setup for 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 you know, a crazy killer or stalker. You know, I think that's Airbnb, that. man. <laughs> mm, that's not how it works because you 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 leave your house to someone else. No, you can be in it. You can be in it. You really, can be, yeah, never you happened can, you, to me. You can do Airbnb with just a room. Ah, yeah. Mm, I don't know. I didn't know that. See, I accidentally invented a business that already exists. So should be it's the best kind of invention, really. <laughs> uh, I wanted to to point out uh, quickly. We we talked about this uh, this time last year, but something that's that's close to my heart is um, Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And that is the month of September. So we have a link in the show notes uh, to a page on my site where I talk a little bit about that. I've uh, once again, donated my RSS sponsorship uh, to to raise money for St. Jude this year. And as of my sentence right now, we're about $2,600 uh, raised already from the beginning of the month, which is just uh, super awesome. So it would be really cool if you go check that out and donate if you like. It would be much appreciated. And um, so, yeah, it would be really cool. Please do that. Where can they go for that? Give them the URL as well as the show notes. It's uh, the... You can find the link on my site, 512pixels.net slash September. And uh, I, I talk about there, and then there's a big uh, link over to the St. Jude website because the, the URL they give you is atrocious. Yeah, you can't you can't do nothing with this. No. So. I'm going to I'm gonna donate, donate some more money to you right now. Well, it's not to me. That. Well, I know it's not to you. It's, it's to St. Jude <laughs> via you. Yes, I appreciate that. I'm running the uh, I'm running the the 5K this year, so I've never they do a marathon, a half marathon, and 5K every year. I've I've always just been a spectator, and this year I'm going to run the 5K, which I've never done before. So I'm doing the like the couch to 5K thing. There's some really great apps out for that, uh, which I want to talk about with you guys at some point. Um, but uh, 
So it's fun to be using some iPhone apps to help make this run be something that won't kill me in December. I have to say, when I saw uh, the email come through, like that, to, like where you first were speaking about this, I was very surprised to see that it said that you were going to run. And I did. I had been meaning to bring it up with you, but haven't yet. And uh, so that's that's interesting to me because I don't, I didn't know that you did that. I really uh, don't like running. No, no. <laughs> but I, uh, I want to do it with my wife. Mary uh, runs it every year. She's in the half marathon. She's into the five k this year, and so we're gonna do it together. And uh, it's gonna. It's so far training is not very pleasant. So <laughs> hopefully it gets better. I've heard it gets better. So we'll see. So donate. Please. Right, should we take a break and then jump into the rest of our topics this week? Sounds good. Today's episode is brought to you by lynda.com, the online learning platform that has over 3,000 on-demand video courses that can help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. To get yourself a free 10-day trial and support this show, visit lynda.com slash connected. Lynda.com is for people that have problems that they want to be solved, for curiosities that they want to be sated, or for people who just want to make things happen in their life. Maybe you've always wanted to learn exactly what a pivot table is. You can learn this on lynda.com. I have used pivot tables and don't fully understand what they do, so I think I should maybe try and take this course so I can actually try and use them to my own effect. Maybe you are looking for a promotion at work um, or you've got a big sales meeting come out, coming up and you want to learn negotiation tactics or like just how to be better in the boardroom and you want skills on that kind of stuff you know, to increase your confidence. You can take these courses, or maybe you the you can increase your confidence by learning new programs or new apps and stuff that you've not known before. So maybe you want to learn how to use Illustrator or Photoshop, or maybe you want to learn how to use Xcode or learn a little bit about Swift, so you can build your confidence up, so you can push your skills further and maybe get that promotion you've been looking for or start that business that you've always had your eye on. Well, Lynda.com can help you feed your curious mind and make stuff happen. You will be able to watch any of these courses, any of the thousands of courses, all on demand. You can watch them as much as you like, and they were all presented to you by top experts who are super passionate about teaching. They're going to help you achieve what you're looking to do. All of Linda's courses are structured so you can watch them from start to finish or consume them in bite-sized pieces. They're all on demand. You can learn at your own schedule, at your own pace, and even on the bus, on the train, in bed, wherever, with your Android and iOS device so you're able to learn on the go. You can also download courses, so maybe you could even learn on the plane or something when you're a big uh, trip that you've got coming up and you want to take some courses, well, you can do that at lynda.com. If you're watching the web, you can browse along with their fantastic transcripts and you can also search these later and skip right to that point in the video to get the answer that you're looking for. And you can create and save playlists of the courses and the videos that you want to watch to customize your own learning path, which you can then share with friends, colleagues, and team members. Your Lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics for just one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, go ahead and visit lynda.com slash connected, sign up for your free 10-day trial, and help support this show. That is lynda.com slash connected. Thank you so much, lynda.com, for sponsoring this week's episode and for supporting Relay FM. So we have, uh, in, in running up to the fall Apple event, which is just uh, a couple weeks away, we have some some interesting stuff. But this time of, of the year is always fun because companies like swoop in and make announcements right before other companies do. Mm-hmm. We had a little bit of that this week with um, Android Wear, 
uh, Google announced uh, yesterday that it is coming to iOS, which is has been rumored, but it seems like it's it's here now. Uh, Do you guys read about this thing? I did, and I, from reading Google's blog, didn't really get much from it. So uh, I also watched a video that Dieter Bone put together on The Verge, which I'll also include in the show notes, which helped shine a little bit more light on what's going on here. Um, I would say I can see the new Google logo. Does everybody like the new Google logo? Yes, I do. Yep. Looks good, right? It's fun. It does. Yeah. I feel like it's a nice refreshment. Um, mm-hmm. It fits along with the Alphabet brand, the overall big brand that they've got for Alphabet. Yeah. And it's about time, I think. When you look at it, I'm like, yes, that looks like 2015. The old mm. Google logo looks like 10 years ago. And I like the. they've also got it on the page. You know, the G, which is what they're going to use on mobile. So that's mm-hmm. like their main logo now, really, the multicolor, yeah. multicolored G. I think it looks really sweet. I think it's a nice little, nice little thing. As usual, people really get really upset and snarky about these sorts of things, but I just wanted to shine a bit of uh, happiness upon this logo because I like it. But anyway, so from what I've been able to understand from this, it seems like Android Wear is like halfway between a Pebble and an Apple Watch. Like it does more than the Pebble can do, but is restrained in some similar ways that the Pebble is, um, but is able to talk to Google's apps and services to provide a bit more. Plus, it can seem to be able to do a lot more just on the watch itself than the Pebble can do. So it seems like that there is a, a bit of a mishmash here. I don't really know why Google have done this. Like you look at these kinds of things and it feels a little bit like... Apple wouldn't do this. Why is why has Google felt the need to do this? Like, how many people are gonna buy an Android? Like, are gonna yeah, exactly. own an iPhone and buy an Android Wear watch? Like, why would you do that? I don't understand. It feels like they want to make the life of tech bloggers easier. You know, there's literally <laughs> no real person who would buy an iPhone and an Android Wear smartwatch. Like their their reasoning for it, which I understand a bit, I suppose, in that, and it's true, there are more styles, right? So if you don't like, if you don't like rectangular watches and you want a circular watch, right, you can get one, or you want one with a different material or just a different design in overall, you can get that. Mm-hmm. But if I don't know, and they're cheaper, I suppose, right, in some instances, so that might be a thing. But it feels like a real like stretch to assume that this is going to make a big impact. Like if if Android Wear is so good, like if Google's saying that Android Wear is really so good, make it a reason people buy Android phones. Like don't my feeling anyways. Don't put these devices here when they're like they they they're always going to feel hobbled, and people will blame Google, right? Yeah, like exactly. It's not Google's fault. Exactly. It, it, so it's like it feels like a, an interesting thing. So should we run through some of what it can do? So it can get your notifications. Um, Google's doing some stuff to respect iOS notification settings. Like they'll give you a notification. They'll show it to you, but it won't buzz if it doesn't buzz on your phone, for example. They have Google Now built in, and it has like this really weird on in-the-watch web browser to give the results because it can't do it otherwise. Um, it's not like with the way that it works on Android where it like, it, there's a difference there, but I'm not hundred percent sure what it is, but it's doing something strange of a little web browser. Um, it can do like the voice search of Google now, the cards of Google now, fitness tracking. Um, there are no third party Android wear apps yet. I feel like this will probably come later because there would have to be something slightly different. 
Um, and it has, as I mentioned earlier, a real better tie-in with Google's apps. Um, so probably better than maybe the Apple Watch, Google Watch app. Hang on, let me say that again. The Google apps on Apple Watch will probably ever have as well. I reckon that they that the even with the hobbled like functionality that the Android Wear stuff can have, I would expect that Android Wear Google apps will probably always be better because it's just the way they built them, right? Um, they've been built around the idea of the material design and all that sort of stuff. So if you are an all-in on Google person, this seems like an interesting idea, but it kind of feels like outside of the Google ecosystem, uh, there maybe isn't so much there for you. Yeah, I think I think all that's all that's accurate. You know, the uh, there's benefits to using a bunch of Google apps on your phone because they all can sort of talk to each other. You know, if you sign in to G- the Gmail app, then the Google Drive app knows about that account and that sort of thing. And and the Android Wear is taking advantage of some of that. So if you have replaced a lot of first-party apps with Google apps, then this works better. But if you're using a bunch of first-party apps or non-Google apps, strapping this thing to your wrist is going to be less useful. So they're mm-hmm. really trying to target the, the people who are using iOS but are super into Google stuff. And I know those people exist, but it doesn't seem like a very big market to me, relatively speaking. Uh, so I, I do I, I agree with you, Mike. I, I do sort of wonder what this is about to a degree. I would argue that I would argue that if you if you have an iPhone and you're into Google Apps and services, I am into some of those. And I would argue that you would still get a better experience if you're looking for a smartwatch with an Apple Watch. Once Google starts making Apple Watch apps, and you gotta believe that they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna have some, especially with WatchOS two, you'd still get a better Google experience with a native WatchOS app from Google than with this kind of workaround uh, with the Android Wear and the and an iPhone. So I really don't understand. It would make much more sense if Google really just wants data from iPhone users who are looking for a smartwatch, they should start making watchOS 2 apps. That's just, a, you know, especially now that they can access sensors, at least in a limited fashion, you know, they're not going to be able to have the kind of integration that Apple has, you know, with the with the Apple Watch hardware, but they, they don't have the same integration on the iPhone. So that didn't stop them from making iPhone and iPad apps. And I think it it would be better and more practically useful for them to start making native Apple Watch apps. I don't. I really don't see the point of of this kind of hack. It's an it's an interesting move. Again, like I don't think either of us, any of us, really understand the reasoning for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I see what you're saying, that, but like I I feel like that Google had the ability to make. The, potentially make the Android Wear apps better for their stuff. Who knows? I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to tie them in together, but they're doing something to tie them in together. But one way or another, I mean, like, so going back to apps, actually, for a second, I mean, we've all complained about apps on the Apple Watch. But so if you take apps out of the discussion, just the fact that the Apple Watch ties in so heavily with iOS and the customization you can do to it to kind of set it up the way that you want and the way that you want your notifications to come in and stuff, that feels like it's always going to be better than what Google could ever do. Because, like, what about, like, interactive notifications? 
that you can use with the Apple Watch. You're not going to be able to do those with Android Wear, right? So even just notifi- stuff you can do in notifications doesn't feel like it's going to be as good. Yeah, I think that's a little gray because in the video it seemed like they were showing that you, you could do that. Um, and my understanding is, you know, iOS 8 offers some limited, you know, <clears throat> you can put some buttons in notifications. So it may be that that stuff carries over, but the more the more rich experience that you have on, on the watch where I can, you know, if I have a notification, I can respond with pre-selected text and that sort of thing may, may not be there. Again, it, it seems even watching the video, I'm still a little confused on some of the details. And I agree with you. The blog post was basically useless. <laughs> yeah. But um, I feel like though they're probably purposefully glossing over the bad points, right? Yeah. I mean, wh- what are they going to say? Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, this is crippled. <laughs> Go oh, by By the it. way, guys, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you know, it's not a criticism that they are, they're doing that because they kind of have to, but it's like, you know, so it's not going to be clear to us what it can and can't do because they're not being so, helpful with that, right? Because they're not going to offer up that information, I suppose. I really can't wait for Google to take the Apple Watch seriously and make native watch apps. They could be, though. I mean, we don't know that they're not. Yeah, yeah. They could be. And I hope hope they are because it totally makes sense, you know? There are some Google apps on the iPhone that are much, much better than similar solutions from Apple. You, You could argue that Gmail and Google Inbox are much better than Apple Mail, if you're looking for, you know, if you if you use Gmail and you need the intelligence of Google services, there's no contest between Apple Mail and, and Inbox or Gmail. And I really want to see them making watch apps because I feel like they could make some great stuff, especially with WatchOS 2. So I'm hopeful. Google are always slow. They are. Facebook also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, should we talk a little bit about Apple TV? Sounds good. We've been meaning to get around to this for weeks now. Which part of the Apple TV? <laughs> All of it. All of uh, it. So, so also the American cable stuff. That's it. Yeah. There. yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of have it divided between like hardware, like what a new Apple TV is rumored to do, and then and then software, including the cable service and, and games. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of links in the show notes to 9 to 5... TechCrunch, BuzzFeed, etc., um, and all this, all these articles boil down to uh, a new device powered by the A8. And right now, the thing runs an A5 and is can be quite slow at times. Uh, new hardware would come with a new remote, which you guys talked a little bit about on Upgrade yesterday, but the rumors seem to be sort of gelling around. Uh, having some touch controls somewhere where you can do swipes and gestures perhaps and it being bluetooth which is really nice right now it's it's infrared and you have to be aiming you know you have to have line of sight more or less from the remote to the apple tv i would love to hide mine but i can't because the remote has to see it bluetooth would get around that of course and uh what else do they say more ram uh and then the price is going to go up it'll come in under two hundred dollars but if you remember from last year the old uh, Apple TV went f- uh, from $99 to $69. So, you know, adding uh, room in the lineup for something a little more expensive, perhaps. Yeah, and they'll maybe keep that $69 one around, right? Because I think they use will. the TV stuff, like the TV streaming service in the future or whatever. Yeah, or maybe they'll keep it until, uh, you know, they run out of stock or something and then and then go away. But um, 
if it's always connected to to a wall plug, if it's always you know always on, and it uses the A8 CPU, will it be dual core or will it be a three core like the iPad Air two? I think that gets down to the software a bit. I think if it's going to come with an SDK and they're going to push gaming, it may be you know it may be iPad Air Air two spec. Mm-hmm. Or iPad Pro, or like whatever the next. Right, right. Because if you look at how slow they are to update this hardware, like why not give it a little a little push right now so you get better, you know, so it ages better as as time goes on. So it'd be yeah. nice. It'd be nice if it. I mean, who cares if it's, you know, taking a little more power if it's plugged in. The thing yeah. already is like so energy efficient. Then why not? But um. Yeah. So the Siri thing, I think, is the most interesting to me, and really for only really for one reason. I'm sure we've all, all had this, where you sit down at the Apple TV or, or Roku or something, and you're like, I want to watch X. You know, I want to watch Parks and Rec season two, like we were talking about earlier. And I have to like go into Netflix and see if Netflix has has it. I have to go into Amazon Prime. I have to go into Hulu Plus. I have to go into these different services and see who has it. There's no. On the Apple TV, there's no universal search. Now, my understanding is that Roku, that the Kindle TV stuff, and the uh, like, the Microsoft, uh, the Xbox One stuff, they have this universal search. Even, I think, uh, Google TV or Android TV, whatever it's called this week, has it as well. But uh, Apple TV doesn't, and I, it'd be really great if it did, I think. Um, I guess I'm sort of talking to myself because neither of you guys actually have an Apple TV, do you? No, it's funny when you said to me, we've all... I was like, he's, he's addressing the listener, not me and Federico. <laughs> we've <laughs> the, all the, sat down at our Apple TVs. Yes, yes, every day. The thing about, about TV for me is I don't watch movies and TV shows on my TV. I That's one of the few reasons why I use a MacBook is I watch those on my MacBook with my girlfriend in mm-hmm. bed. That's 100% what I do too. And also, you know, I'm excited about an iPad Pro for this use case. Um, but I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't use the TV. I only use the TV for like the weather forecasts and the, the news. And video games. And video games. Yes, it's because it's a big monitor. So I use it for, with my PlayStation 4 and the Wii U. But I don't watch. Gotcha. Well, so. okay, so so understand that I'm talking to myself. To be able- you, you are re- you've really got to go along on this one on your own, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Stephen. No, it's fine. No, Siri, play Parks and Rec season two. Like it should be smart enough to know what service has what content. And if you look at what they're doing on iOS nine with the intelligent stuff, Apple is already searching that sort of stuff on iOS. You know, in the beta where I can search for content within apps and. Um, so it doesn't seem like a huge jump to me for the Apple TV to be able to do this. And, you know, I, I joke that, you know, you could look at it on Amazon Video. Of course, you can't do that on the Apple TV, and I think that's still ridiculous. Where do you think that lies? Do you think that is, like, is there know, a man. Cold War kind of scenario going on I don't know, here with this? Cause t- today, so just today as we're recording this, Amazon updated their Amazon Video iOS app, and you can download content within the app. So I could download... A movie on Amazon, you know, Amazon Prime Video, and watch it on an airplane without a data connection. Like, clearly, Amazon is invested in iOS, but uh, maybe you know. I feel like this has got to be on Apple's side, man. That they're like, I guess. Nope, but you're not why doing it. just why just Amazon? Like, because you can buy on Amazon too. I mean, yeah, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe Apple says you can only do Prime Video, but you can't purchase anything, and Amazon says no. 
we only, you know, those things come together. And so I, I don't know, but um, being able to, to pick up the remote and say, hey, Siri, uh, play this, or uh, even, you know, uh, play Beats 1, or, you know, stream this album, or show me this photo stream. It'd be so great, because so much of the Apple TV experience is you're, you're on that dinky little remote, and you're, you know, pushing those buttons over and over, and going through endless menus and scrolling on something that's not designed to scroll very well and typing, you know, I actually have, I actually have a Bluetooth keyboard paired with my Apple TV for the search stuff, but, um, it's all just slow, so slow and so clunky to, to interact with the thing and being able to do it with Siri, assuming that Siri would work, would be so much better. I think so much less frustrating. So I really hope this is true. And I really hope Apple is pairing it with the intelligent stuff they're doing in iOS nine to make it better. It's got to be, right? You press a button on the microphone and speak in, a button uh, on the remote and speak into the remote, right? I would hope so. Like you'd feel like it should be invoked by a button press, Xbox, uh, the Microsoft or the Xbox show why you can't have it just always listening because your own ads trigger them, yeah. right? Or if it senses that you've picked up the remote, you know, like on the Apple Watch, you can just turn your wrist over and if the screen is on, you can say... Sure, that works. The, uh, ahoy telephone. But... um. Yeah, I agree that if if the if the remote's just on the dining room table and someone shouts, a whole telephone, it shouldn't go off. But or just um, like the TV, it's like because yeah. I mean I get that invoked a ton with my Apple Watch just because the face is on and I'm talking regularly to somebody else, and then my Apple right. Watch is dictating on its own. Yeah, what if fun. your dog's name was Siri and you were just talking to your dog all the time? It'd be crazy. I feel like you shouldn't do that. Like, <laughs> I feel bad like idea. That's a really bad idea. So the so talking about the remote, if Siri's a thing, you know, microphone built in. We have this touch sensitive bit of the rumor where there's some sort of touchpad on it. We have motion tracking, which I kind of want to hold off till we get to the gaming stuff. But uh, my big concern with a with a more advanced remote is it's going to be more a more expensive remote. And anyone who has an Apple TV has purchased 918 Apple remotes over the years because you lose them. Like there's probably four of them in my couch right now, and like. Who knows how long they've been there, right? There's one under the couch. There's one. There's no telling, especially with kids. Things just disappear. And so uh, a remote that, you know, is more expensive or even has glass on it for the trackpad, like as someone who, like one of the primary user, users of our Apple TV is like my five and seven-year-old. I hope this thing is robust and I hope that the remote is not, you know, $49 or, or $69 to replace when inevitably it gets broken or lost. But I guess we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, you gotta have that little button you can press, like on the watch, right, to find your yeah. phone. Find my remote. Yeah, yeah. So I think you know. I wonder how many how many of the find my iPhone uses are, are like. I just don't know where in the house my phone is. <laughs> find my <laughs> my, remote my girlfriend all the time. It's one of her favorite features on the Apple Watch. Yep. <laughs> I I very frequently am in a room in the house and I hear. Ding, ding, ding. I was like, yeah. oh, she lost the phone again. <laughs> I, do it, I do it more since owning an Apple Watch because I'm more likely to sit my phone down when I get home and not have it, you know, in my pocket. And it's like, where, what room do I sit that in? But um, uh, so we you talked about just the like speak into the watch and have me call you. I mean, that seems like I could just. That seems like a lot of work on your part. But it's a You're system. Always... I'm. I, it's a. It's a. It's a service. I'm happy to provide. Mike, Mike is a iPhone finding service. Yeah, be great. Someone in the chat room said, "Put it on a tether like they do pins at the bank." <laughs> <laughs> Can only go so far away from the that's couch. Pretty, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, and then we have the the part of the rumor where they're going to to offer uh, potentially offer a Bluetooth gaming controller support as well. But can we um, talk about game controllers right now? I think let's talk about let's take let's take a break and talk about the service and then close out with the gaming stuff because I feel like that's gonna be where the exciting part happens. All right, should I do that now? Let's do that now. Yeah. This week's episode is brought to you by Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. We were just talking about tethering an Apple remote to the couch. You don't want to be tethered to your desk to have to do your work. You don't want to have to just be so far away from that one system that has your intranet on that you're allowed to use in that one office of the the company that you work in. You don't want to have to work like that. You want to be able to manage your task list from a laptop during a meeting. You want to be able to share status updates when you're at another office or you're at a client site or something like that. Or maybe you just want to be able to access the latest version of a file from home. These are all the things that you will want to do these days because we are almost mobile and your work should be too and that's where igloo can help you igloo makes all of this possible from any device you want to use if you can access the internet you can access igloo it will look great on your smartphone on your tablet or on your 27 inch retina display it doesn't matter where you're going to do it it's going to look fantastic and it's going to look even better than anything else because igloo allows you to customize your intranet you don't have to look at something that makes your eyes want to bleed anymore you can change all the colors that you like you can put logos in they've got all fonts and all that lovely stuff it all looks fantastic and you can also configure your igloo from a functional perspective as well they have drag and drop widgets to add different pieces of functionality into different parts of your igloo and you can set up group spaces so you can give role-based access permissions so accounting they see this type of setup maybe the sales team see this type of setup and it can be customized to whatever teams are needed Right, So you can give these pieces of functionality to this team, these to that team. So everybody has their igloo fit to exactly how they work. These days as well, documents are getting spread all over the place to services like Box, Google Drive, and Dropbox. You don't want that to happen. Customer data is going over here. That means that the presentation that everybody's working on has got seven different versions in different places, and nobody knows what the most up-to-date one is. Igloo solves this in a couple of ways. They have their own uh, document engine, their own document preview engine, so people can collaborate on files and make sure that the file that's there is up to date. And this also can be really useful because you can track who has uh, seen documents or read receipts. But they also integrate services like Box, Google Drive, and Dropbox into their one big, easy-to-secure platform. Look, it's time to break away from the intranet you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now, and you can try it out for free with any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want. This is an amazing deal, and if I stress this, I feel like I don't do this enough. If you have a team of like five, six people, you can use Igloo for free. It's only when you get past 10 that you ever have to pay. So go sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash connected. Thank you so much to Igloo for their support of this show. So the streaming service is a part of this that's been around for a while. Some sort of cable killing, cord cutting service that Apple is providing where you can go in and you can uh, potentially purchase content directly from from these content companies as opposed to paying Comcast and you get them on channels you don't want. And, you know... the. This rumor's been around for a long time, and it seems that uh, this is not in the cards for the September event. Um, also, probably not in the cards for anyone not in the U.S., so right. I, I don't know what you, what you guys think about this, but um, I, I, for one, 
there's content that I would like to watch that's on cable TV, but I don't want to pay for all the other stuff. I don't want to deal with like a terrible cable box and everything that comes with that. And so this sort of service is appealing to me, but it seems like it's just sort of on a treadmill and never actually getting here. I mean, it's kind of isn't an issue for me. Like a lot of the programs here, like there are systems and services that you can sign up for um, or that are free, right? And you can watch stuff on them. Like all the big, big TV channels here have their own catch-up services like BBC iPlayer being probably the most famous of them. Um, And then you have like cheap services that like there's one called Now TV which allows you to watch like movies and sports and some other types of shows and stuff and you can just pay for that and it's you just pay a subscription fee for it. But for me personally there are not any TV shows where I'm like oh man I've got no way to get this. Like, I could just buy it on iTunes. Like, uh, this is not an an issue for me personally. Um, and I think it really differs country to country about what the kind of offerings are anyway. Um, so, I'm, I mean, it's like, okay, if this thing exists, then it's great. But it also, I'm not, I'm not going to see myself wanting to sign up for something like this. It would have to be really great at a really great price, which I doubt that it would tick those boxes. I mean, I don't even want an Apple TV. So, I mean, I don't know what it's going to be like, what they're going to announce, right? Like, if the gaming part of it, which, again, we'll get to in a moment, if it's going to be really good, then maybe I'll consider it. But I don't want an Apple TV for anything TV-related. Yeah, same. And and I'm pretty sure I won't pay for um, TV movie content ever again unless I get some kind of streaming option that's like Apple Music that gives me everything in a legal way for, like, Twenty dollars a month. Yeah. I don't wanna. I don't wanna go broke just to watch TV shows. That's yep. crazy. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm not a. I'm. You know. I'm not one of those people saying, "Hey, I should get everything for free." Uh, but there should be a new way to let more people pay even less for this stuff. But ultimately, you make more money. Basically, the streaming model for music. That's what I want for TV. And until that day comes. And it's not just an American thing, and it's not just limited to, you know, American TV shows on select networks, and it's not built on top of those crazy geographical restrictions. I want to be able to watch TV shows in English from coming from America in Italy the same day that they are out in the States for a very cheap price every month. Is that too crazy? That's how I feel. I mean, like I pay (laughs) for Netflix because it's not that expensive and they've got a lot of interesting stuff on there um and i'm an amazon prime customer so i get prime instant and they for the majority of stuff that i ever want to watch they go like 95 percent of the way yeah because i just like watch like you know what we refer to as box sets here right just like we're watching the office right now so i'm just watching all the office right on like Mm -hmm. a combination of netflix and amazon and that's fine. That's all I need. I don't need like the most up to date of something or whatever. It, it's not really. It's just not really a way that both me and Federico are. So if they haven't got this service, if it doesn't come to the UK, I mean, I'm probably going to be okay with it anyway. Yeah, I mean, they. You know, that's the f- the flip side of this too. Is they are if, they, if this is going on to a degree, they are starting to compete with with these other streaming services, sort of in in a new way. Um, and there was this article in Variety just, just yesterday about, you know, Apple was looking to move into original programming 
this article, according to this article, they bid on uh, what was Top Gear, which of course went to uh, Amazon. That 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 show will be revived on uh, Amazon Prime Video next year. I feel like which, Apple were maybe not completely serious about their bid. Surely they could have outbid Amazon. Yeah, because but, if um, if they were if they're really serious about original programming. It doesn't happen very often that the world's most popular TV show comes up for auction. Like, that is a very rare thing to occur, right? Right. So if they were really serious, then they would have just paid whatever money it took. Right. Um, I I tend to agree with that line of thinking. Uh, But it does does sort of raise the question of, like, if Apple's doing all the streaming stuff, does it make sense for for them to move into original programming? And there was a huge, like debate about this in the the relay slack this, uh like last night but my sort of take on it is you know netflix is doing it amazon is doing it uh it it is it is weird in the sense that apple hasn't done it yet but if they are going to be offering a streaming service then this seems to be in 2015 this seems to be part of what a streaming service means mm-hmm. you know netflix uh just uh this week uh they lost the epic pictures deal where a lot of movies are leaving netflix and hulu plus picked that up but um you know netflix is saying you know it's it's fine we have a lot of tv shows and we have a lot of original programming some of the best tv i've seen in the last couple of years has been netflix original series stuff they're really doing a good job and the the question is, could could Apple do this? And uh, you know, so people you know, on Twitter and in, in the Slack thing were talking about, you know, well, you know, Apple has all these like sort of old fashioned rules about content. You know, would they would they do a show but not allow cursing? Would they do a show but not allow sexuality? And I think that's sort of a ridiculous statement. I think that uh, the way that Apple patrols the App Store and the way that Apple would would go about doing something like this. Obviously, different groups of people, very different priorities. Uh, Can you buy Game of Thrones on iTunes? Uh, that's a good question. I can find out. I know that you can't. I mean, I've bought all sorts of crazy stuff on iTunes that's obscene. But um, I mean, I think that's the closer model than the App Store of you know, can you get these things on um on iTunes? Can you you know, can you stream exclusive music? Yeah, Game of Thrones is right here. Right, but then it's not an issue, is it? Because yeah, so, you know, it's, a, it's a HBO show with all the violence and nudity that they have on HBO shows, right? And they have the HBO the HBO Go app on Apple TV now, which they made a big deal of, you know, last year when they announced it. So, I think like the is Apple going to be puritanical with their content? I think that's sort of a non-starter. But the idea of Apple, you know, owning a studio, which I really think is what this is, right? This isn't like Eddie Q directing a TV show. This is Apple paying people who make TV. To I make would TV. watch that. By the way, I would probably would too. Just probably a train wreck. The same. Well, the Eddie Q like uh, office style documentary. No, no, no. no. I want to watch Glee made by Eddie (laughs) Q. Sorry, please continue. No, no. It's I just can't get that picture out of my head of like Eddie Q dancing with high school students. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. um, the so I don't know. Like I think if they do a streaming service and this is part of that, then. It doesn't like make me worried about Apple that if if Apple gets into this that, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't think this is as big of a deal as some people have made it out to be. I don't know. 
you guys have any thoughts on this at all? I mean, you guys both watch Netflix original street original stuff, and I love Amazon that kind stuff. of stuff. I think, and I agree with you completely. Like, if you are serious about streaming today, you have to have original content for a couple of reasons. One, it's expected. The other, you, the the movie studios can just do anything, and go anywhere, and do whatever, and you you would end up getting outbid. Like, so if Netflix didn't make like House of Cards and Daredevil and all the stuff that they make, they would be in hot bother right now. But they're like, it doesn't even matter because we have like award, multi-award winning TV shows that you can only get here. I have a question. Um, I once read an article about Netflix and it explained that the way that House of Cards and Orange and all these other Netflix originals are so successful is that Netflix has data collection policies that tell them exactly what kind of content people may be interested in. Because Netflix knew that House of Cards was going to be a success, and Netflix knew that Orange was going to be a success. Is Apple, if they're going to do originals, will they do this kind of stuff? Will they use data collection as much as possible to know what kind of trends are coming? What I think you kind do of... that. I don't I mean, know. All you got to do is, like, you know, look at the chart. That the article that I read was maybe a couple of years ago. Probably it was like some crazy stuff Netflix yeah. is doing to understand like what people are searching for, when, how, like. If all... you build, if you build a recommendation engine, you have this data. I don't know, but it's interesting to compare. You know, Apple approaching areas of entertainment where data collection, which they usually don't do much. They do some of it, but not much. They even if you look at iOS nine, they do a lot of on-device processing, you know. And they say we don't want your data. We don't want to, we don't want your data on our servers. And it's interesting to compare that with original content. And then you bring in Netflix as a topic of discussion. But Netflix does all these other things with user data, and it's interesting as a comparison. I don't know. I don't know what I think, but if they do it, I'm interested in, in the in the approach <laughs> they take. I think it's an interesting way of doing things. I mean, I have no problem with that as a customer. Like, no, you, you know what I'm watching. Like, what, mm-hmm. it's not an issue to then give me stuff I want to watch. <laughs> like, make yeah. new stuff that I want to watch. That's <laughs> that's kind of exactly what I pay you money for at this point. Please continue to watch me, basically. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's talk about apps and games. Mm. So, Stephen, what is going on here? Uh, so, you have A8, you have... Uh, touch controller. You have Bluetooth gaming controller support, which is has been a part of iOS for a while now. Um, all that seems to be adding up to gaming coming to the Apple TV. And my, my question is for you guys because I'm not. I, I am at best a like. I have one casual game on my iPhone at a time. Like I'm not in this world that you guys. Uh, you live are. In. You are friends with gamers. I'm That's friends with gamers. Yep. That's yes. right. Put it like that. Um, okay. And so, it really, I have I have a couple of questions for, for you guys, and maybe really one big question is if the Apple TV is sort of stuck in casual gaming land, um, is that is that a viable market? Can could you take a bunch of iOS class games? You know, if this thing is not going to compete with the PlayStation not going to compete with the Xbox, which doesn't seem like it's going to. 
Like, can it exist in this like lower end of the market of casual games? Does that make any sense at all? Is that something mm-hmm. that you guys would be interested in having? Mm-hmm. Um, or do you think this is a, a play for Apple to go after something like PlayStation and we just don't see it yet? Yeah, they can't There's go a, after PlayStation with this. That's the that's the problem right there. There's yeah. two schools of thought, basically. There's the people who believe they're going to go after traditional consoles because they're going to die eventually anyway. And there's people who are sort of more in the middle. Uh, They're going to do casual games. They're going to bring in the success of the iOS App Store to the living room. And that's going to be a problem for consoles, but not directly because the games that people buy on consoles are not on the App Store anyway. Because part of the reason is like they are 80 gigabytes, right? Like, there's a reason that the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One <laughs> yes. have optical drives still. Yeah. You can download this stuff, but people tend not to do it still, I think. There's, a, there's still an incredible amount of optical discs sold, and the reason for that is the games are massive. So, And this is not really a, a world that Apple seems to be in. Like, So that's... Sorry, Federico, continue with the, the console stuff. So my my... My my thought that as soon as I read the report on the on the uh, the remote, we I remember having this discussion with friends many years ago in two thousand and five before the Nintendo Wii and it came out in the in the in the public and we were talking about the remote and the genius of the idea of using an object that a lot of people are comfortable with that a lot of people know to kind of reinvent gaming. And so if we consider the remote as the primary input, you know, mechanism of this new Apple TV for games, is that going to be a new Wii moment, you know, for the industry? Is it is it going to make it more uh, easier for people of all extractions, of all kinds, to approach gaming in the, in the living room? So the situation now is much different from 2005. Ten years later, um, there's... I would I would argue there's a lot of people who know video games that didn't know video games before. A lot more people play on smartphones today than they did in 2005 because, you know, basically the iPhone didn't even exist back then. And the smartphones, the games for smartphones back then were really different from today. So in 10 years, the, the video game has expanded as a, as a concept, as a hobby to many, many more millions of people. And that's partially thanks to portable consoles and the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now, what does it mean for an Apple TV focused on gaming coming to the living room? My first, I, I in 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 these scenarios, I try to apply the Occam's razor rule. So the easiest explanation tends to be the most plausible one, and that iOS games come to the living room, and it means that the success that iOS games had because of their approachable nature and different pricing model and, you know, ease of picking up a game, playing a game, and then switching to something else, that's got to be coming to the Apple TV. What does it mean if, if that kind of success moves from the iPhone and the iPad into, you know, the living room onto a bigger screen? The, the thing to consider for me is not necessarily the specifics of, of the consoles, but the, the, the economy of time. Time that you spend playing a casual game on an Apple TV is time you don't spend playing on a PlayStation 4. 
So even if the two consoles are not comparable directly because of games and because of hardware, whenever you spend time on the casual game, what ultimately matters is that you don't spend time on the on the hardcore game on the PlayStation or the Xbox. A game so, becomes casual when you can play it anywhere. Exactly. So what I'm trying to imagine now is maybe the remote won't be as big as a deal as the Nintendo Wiimote was many years ago because, you know, people are kind of more into video games now. Although I would argue that as a motion controller, I suspect it'll be easier to use than a controller like a DualShock or an Xbox One controller that you hand to someone who doesn't play video games. Because by nature of being motion, people know motion, people know how to move hands in most cases. So it'll be natural. But that's not the primary point, I guess. The main focus for me is what happens when you take an iOS game and you put it onto the bigger television set and you create an integration with the App Store. So imagine you're playing a game on your iPhone and you use something like continuity for iOS games and Apple TV games. So whenever you arrive home, you can start playing at the same point where you were without waiting for iCloud save and that kind of stuff. You just use hands-off to continue playing on the bigger screen. And what happens when you when you build up multiplayer features that use iPads or iPhones that maybe kids and other family members have to create shared experiences in front of the Apple TV for games? That's a very different thinking process than traditional consoles and what they're trying to do. They Sony and Microsoft, I'm trying to take Nintendo out of the picture here, because they're not as big as the other two. Sony and Microsoft are trying to do some of that. You can look at Sony and the play- and the PlayStation 4 with the remote feature for the PS Vita and it lets you and it lets you beam some content to the PS Vita with remote play or you can look also at Sony and the PlayStation TV which is a little this little accessory that basically extends the PlayStation 4 um uh, gaming screen to another television entirely or you can look at microsoft with the xbox and smart glass and the kind of second second screen experiences that they're trying but an apple tv with ios games on the iphone the ipad and now uh, you know the bigger screen without having to do streaming airplay or icloud all those other services on top but just native gaming one-to-one that's uh, i think a a very big market potentially and when you go to a parent and you say okay your kid has an ipad and you have an iphone but now you also want your kid to be playing games on the tv you don't want to spend 500 dollars getting a playstation 4 or an xbox and a bunch of games they're also you know violent and you don't want your kid to be playing gta and you can use the App Store with the restrictions that you already have in place, the account that you already know, or your purchases of all your family, and it costs $200, and you can also watch all kinds of video content on it. That's a pretty strong proposition, I would say. I agree with you mostly, except in a few points. Okay. Right. So the majority of stuff that you've spoken about, I agree with. Like I, I like the idea of the continuing games. I really like the idea of being able to use the Apple TV as a way to connect different devices and everybody plays the same game. Like we haven't spoken about this yet, but I've heard Runbo being mentioned a lot like this. Jason was telling me about it an upgrade. Um, the, the main points where I disagree with what you said is in discounting Nintendo in the discussion 
because the games on an Apple TV will probably be closer to Nintendo in content and Mm -hmm. style than they would be to PlayStation or Xbox. I agree. I was just talking from a from a market, market perspective. perspective. Yeah. Exactly, yes. So I, I, I totally agree with that, but I wanted to make that point. My other point is the controller and the controller's importance. Now, the problem with the world that you painted, like the idea of, and and this is probably the world that Apple would like to paint as well, the idea of like, oh, you're playing Infinity Blade, right, on your iPhone. Go and finish it on the Apple TV. It's not can't be the same game because the interaction of touching the game is fundamentally different mm-hmm. from having a controller in your hand and looking at a TV. And putting a touchpad on it does not help you because you will not know where your finger is when you touch the touchpad, right, in relation to the content that you're looking at on the television. So the controller and the controller method, the input method, is going to be significantly different to the games that we play on iPhones and iPads, right? You can see where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, so I, I made this point to Jason, and I want to see what you think of you guys think of it as well. I think that if Apple try and paint a game story as an important thing, but do not show a first-party gaming-focused controller, mm-hmm. I think that they are not as committed to games as they may think that they, or may position themselves as being. Totally There agree. needs to be like a controller with buttons on it. Yes, totally agree. I'm not sure about doesn't need triggers, doesn't need how many buttons, doesn't need a D-pad. I just know, and I was having this argument on Twitter yesterday with my friend Zach Saichi, but if they only rely on third-party controllers... That they has can failed. Ex- that's that's a problem because you create in yep. people a sort of paralysis of choice issue. You go to the Apple store and you're like, I want a new Apple TV. Give me a new Apple TV. Sure. Uh, you know how to play games on it? And I'm like, no, I don't know. Uh, how much money do I need to give you? Does it does it does he have a controller? Does it come with a controller? Can I use my iPhone? Can I use you know? Should I buy an extra controller? And the guy is like, yeah, you can buy you know one of these twenty choices. <laughs> and at that point, I. I'm not gamer. I just want to buy a new Apple TV because my kid wants to play Angry Birds or maybe Minecraft Pocket Edition on the bigger screen. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it doesn't come with the... I should pick one of the third-party options. That's craziness. And if Apple doesn't commit to making their own controller, I agree that's a big issue. At least with the information that we have right now. So we could be completely wrong because we're looking at this you know, rumor from from a from a failed perspective. Uh, but in this case, with the information we have, if they don't do one, that's an issue, I think, because you, you cannot rely on people to make a choice when it comes to required hardware that's not pre-installed or, you know, that comes with the box of what you buy. You cannot say, yeah, you can buy one, one, one from Metcats, you can buy one from this other company, you can buy this other one, but... This other one is plastic, this one has aluminum details, and this other one has better performance for rumble packs. <laughs> what do you say to people, right? Uh, I agree. Apple Mark. make keyboards and mice. Yes, they should make a game controller. I yeah. agree. Because I can't see a world where they can make a games console or make the Apple TV into a games console without providing a controller. Because the touch idea 
I, I cannot envision how that works. Like a panel that you touch and try and control a game with on a TV just doesn't just it it me with my gaming knowledge, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I would think too that if they if Apple has a first party controller, you know, it's going to be easier for the development community as well. You know, right yes. now how it works, they have a couple of reference devi- designs. I think Logitech makes one, maybe Belkin makes one. I've never seen one or seen anyone talk about one. I can't imagine they're selling. Apparently, they're all crap. Yeah, I would yeah, imagine. There's so. a bunch of them. And um, I'm sure you've seen the same, Federico. That there is effectively no good ones. And so, if if Apple makes makes their own, it gets around that problem as well. When mm-hmm. developers know what they're targeting exactly, and they can make the hardware really good, and you know, maybe it's maybe it's an optional purchase. Maybe it doesn't come with the Apple TV. It, it could be like the Kindle or the Amazon Fire TV. I believe does not come with the game controller, but you can purchase it separately. Yep. That I could, that I could see them being a separate purchase, but I, I agree with you guys that if if Apple doesn't make one, if they just leave it up to third parties, then it's not a. I think it's a pretty clear sign they're not as into it as as they might be otherwise. Also, I just wanted to just add one more point about just to put into context the Wii a little bit because I think a lot sure. of people will think about the Wii when they think about this. But so the the Wii was successful. It brought in a bunch of non-gamers, and the reason it did that was because the input method was something we'd never seen before. Like, just we hadn't seen that before, right? The, the the motion control didn't exist prior to this in any form that people could use in their home, right? Accelerometers and all that kind of stuff were not in every smartphone that you bought, right? This stuff was brand new, but even then, like, they did actually turn that into a real controller with proper buttons on it. That you could not have to look at, like it, it worked as that idea. I don't think, and and it it worked for Nintendo, and then stopped working. Right? I I don't think that just having a ah, but it's got a motion controller in it, and you can play games like that. I don't think that will work anymore. I don't think it's enough. Um, so I just wanted to add that little bit of context for the Wii, because I think it's important. Because I think the Wii is a real easy potential comparison for what this controller could be, but the Wii Mote was a revolution in gaming, unlike... Also, remember the downfall of the Wii in, exactly. the, in, the, in the last years when the novelty effect wore off. Wore off. Yep. And, you know, people just stopped using the Wii. So, mm-hmm. we'll see. I said, I'd say I couldn't care less about Apple TV. Just don't care about it, right? I care more about Apple Games Console. Because yeah. I just want to see what that is. The Apple TV stuff is it means nothing to me, as as I think me and Federico both proved with our complete silence for about twenty minutes. That stuff is not for us. And the fact that Stephen has been completely silent for the last twenty minutes shows you where yes. he necessarily yeah. feels about this kind. Just of thing. one question, one question about apps, where maybe we can all, you know, collaborate and and have a shared experience here. Um, do we do we just assume that that Apple is gonna launch an SDK and allow for some types of apps? Like, do you want a calculator on your Apple TV? <laughs> yes, I feel like <laughs> that they would say that this is for like media, like media, apps. media, apps? yeah, media like, and games. Like having, like having a podcast client besides Apple's mm. would be great. You know, having, uh, you know, having things that. Do media, you know, media like stuff. Like a Twitter client doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Right? Uh, or uh, OmniFocus, right? You don't need it on the TV. 
It'll be kind of like CarPlay, maybe. So like CarPlay lets you do audio, like podcasts, music, yeah. you know, like that a bunch a really of good comparison. categories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder, too, if it would be open-ended like the App Store. Or, you know, CarPlay, you have to be like an approved partner. Mm-hmm. So so mm. Marco has that stats with, with Overcast. I feel like it will be open-ended, but they will limit what you can do, right? They'll say, yeah, like, these yeah. are the APIs available to you. And right. this is what you're able to do with those, and they are basically limited to gaming um, and entertainment playback and stuff right. like that, audio, and, video. And it, and you know, and I think if they do that, the purchasing, like we're talking about Amazon Prime Video, I think the purchasing stuff will have to be in there somewhere. Uh, if you're going to offer this, you know, we can sort of skip over it, but there's got to be some storage in the device. Right now, you can't access that storage in the Apple TV. It's it's there, and it's used as a buffer for streaming and for for rentals and stuff but um you know it, i assume that we're going to see storage options you know storage tiers with this thing and maybe that's where the the price rumors come in you know some people said 149 some have said 199 you know maybe that's 16 and and 32 gig models so it'll be uh i think it's a if if a third of this is true it's going to be the most exciting fall the apple tv has had in a long time but it does seem like you know apple is is going to make a move here which is which is good. I mean, as someone who has one and uses it, um, I, I definitely have thought about replacing it. About once a month, I sort of like peruse Roku's on Amazon. Like, I should buy Roku, but uh, I haven't because we have a lot of iTunes stuff. And I'm hoping that my patience will be rewarded with a device that can do a lot more and, and be more powerful and more flexible. We'll see you next week. I'll be on a plane. Well, you will be on a plane. <laughs> Let's. Such bad timing, Mike. It's, it's literally when I get off the plane, the event will have just ended. <laughs> so what? What are you gonna? What's the first thing you're gonna do? I'm gonna kick it old school, man. I'm gonna go to Six Colors. I'm gonna go to Mac Stories and see what was announced. Uh, you know, the, uh, imagine the days uh, before video streams. That will be me. I will be just getting off the plane. I'll be loading up my favorite blogs and looking at what was announced. That's so nineties. I know you. it's very old. It's, it makes me feel. It makes <laughs> you me feel like I'm going back in time. Log on to log on to the Usenet. Yeah, and, man. And ask people for for. I'll the get news. on the forums. <laughs> Set those forums on fire and read all the stuff. Just create create an account on the Mac Rumors forums and just post a new thread and be like, "What was announced today, guys?" <laughs> 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 all in lowercase and without a question mark just so got off plane a- what was announced <laughs> wow please do that <laughs> yeah we'll see so you well, guys are going to still be here right you're going to be here next Tuesday talking more about this kind of stuff and then I yeah, think yeah. Stephen you're filling in for me on upgrade talking with Jason straight after the event yep that's the plan Cool. So if you want you want your coverage, you know where to go. You've got to keep it on Relay FM. If you want to find the show notes for this week, you want to head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 55. If you want to find Federico online, you should go to maxstories.net. That's where you're going to find all the stuff that you want. And you can also find Federico is at Viticci, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. You can find Steve online at 512pixels.net, and he is at ISMH on Twitter. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to our sponsors this week igloo and lynda.com go support them because they support us but most of all as always thank you so much for listening and i'll be back in a couple of weeks time i think oh i am going to be on next week's episode what was that i'm not <laughs> wow. on a plane 
<laughs> I am on next week's episode. It's the one after that I'm not on. We should say goodbye so we can end it. But I just want everybody to know, in case they're worried, I will be here next week. I won't be here the week after. So until then, say goodbye, everyone. Howdy with it. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>